Hello and welcome to Southside Church Podcast. For information about our church located in Cape Town, South Africa, go and check out our website, southsidechurch.co.za. We trust that the message would inspire you today. So we are in the first Sunday of Advent for 2022. And Advent is a time of preparation and reflection. The word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus, which means arrival. And Christmas is the time in which we remember the arrival of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We then reflect on the themes associated with His arrival in preparation for Christmas. And so as we begin today, I want to speak about the power of invitation. See, Jesus invites us. He says, come to me. And in the same way, we begin to allow our lives to invite others. That's why Southside Church uh, vision is follow Jesus and lead others to a God-inspired life. And I'll preach more into that in the new year with vision. But we want to follow Jesus, and then we want our lives to lead others to a God-inspired life. The word inspired means inspire in Latin, which is to breathe into. We want to live a life that breathes into others. People are like, Yo, you're so cool and different. Can I come to your church? We lead them. We don't convince and try and convert. I promise you it's the best thing. It's the, you don't have to send clips with clever arguments that will make your friends become Christian. You want your life to lead them. We're called the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt creates thirst. Light changes the atmosphere. Sheesh, this is nice. Sheesh, I'm really wanting what you've got. And, and so Jesus invites us into a life like this. He invites us into the abundance of life and salvation. He doesn't force it on us, but he invites us. And there's power in invitation, not just when we experience the fullness of God's blessing by accepting his invitation, but when we in our walk with God engage in invitation with others. Now, in the year 1854, a 17-year-old boy was working in a shoe shop in Detroit. He didn't know Jesus and had no interest in religion, but he had been forced to go to Sunday school. Knowing this, his Sunday school teacher went to the shoe shop one day where this boy was working and said, hey, I'm worried about you. I want to talk. He invited the boy to talk, so they went into the basement of the shoe store where the Sunday school teacher led the young man to Jesus. The Sunday school teacher's name was Edward Kimball, and the uh, the 17-year-old boy that he had invited into relationship with Jesus was D.L. Moody. We now know that Moody went on to become one of the greatest evangelists in the world, and he shared the gospel with 100 million people. Moody then went on to influence a man named F.B. Mayer, a London pastor and an intellectual. As the years went by, Mayer then influenced J. Wilbur Chapman. J. Wilbur Chapman influenced Billy Sunday. Then Billy Sunday influenced Mordecai Ham. And it would later be in 1934 that local pastors in the Christian Men's Club would invite Dr. Mordecai Ham to hold a series of revival meetings in Charlotte, North Carolina. Thousands flocked to hear Dr. Ham preach. The evangelist preached six days a week, morning and night for 11 weeks. 
One young man described his thoughts on this evangelistic outreach at the time, saying in his own words, as documented in an autobiography, everything I heard or read about this evangelist made me feel antagonistic toward the whole affair. It sounded like a religious circus to me. I did not want anything to do with an evangelist, particularly such a colorful character as Dr. Ham. I told my parents that I would not go near him. This was until a friend invited him saying, why don't you come out and hear our fighting preacher? His friend then sweetened the invitation by offering another incentive, letting this young man drive his old vegetable truck into town for the meeting. And it was in that meeting that Sunday that the Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball, who invited D.L. Moody to give his life to Jesus, who then influenced F.B. Mayer, who influenced J.W. Chapman, who influenced Billy Sunday, influencing Mordecai Ham, would lead this young teenager to salvation. And his name was Billy Graham. Mr. Graham preached the gospel to more people in in live audiences than anyone else in history. Nearly 215 million people in more than 185 countries. This was all made possible by the power of one man's invitation one day. Let's not overlook the power of an invitation The New Testament book of 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, So we are in Christ, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Just as Jesus has invited us to walk with him in restored relationship, so too are we to invite others to come back to God. Like that school teacher with little D.L. Moody. Come back to God. Or that young friend that invited Billy Graham to Mordecai Ham's evangelistic outreach. Come back to God. I'll even let you drive my truck there. We are called to live lives that invite people to come back to God. The way we do it is a big issue. I don't know if you've ever had your dog bolt out of the front gate unexpectedly and into traffic. Many of you will identify with the idea. So, so the dog kind of will bolt out the front gate and you're like, oh, why didn't you close the front door? And the dog goes, shoom, and now it's running toward the traffic. Okay, you, you, your anxiety increases and you're like, come boy, come boy. You call him a few times by his name. You're just calling him to come back. You're inviting him home where it's safe and he won't get knocked over. But the dog is like being set free. He's like, he's like running like, thank you Jesus for this deliverance. Years and years under these slave masters. You know? And, and he bolts in the traffic. And you begin to see it's getting worse and worse. Suddenly cars are hooting and brakes are going and you're watching. Yeah, you're just waiting. And you're starting to really get the sense of urgency in your, in your, in your mind and heart. And, and so suddenly your invitation back to the house begins to change. You know, initially it's like, come boy, come boy, come, come. Now, now suddenly you're really getting desperate for him to come back. So, so the way you do it changes. You start doing weird things. Like you start using the voice you use with him in the house when you talk to him, when no one's around. 
You go from come boy, come boy to money, money, come at me, money. You don't care. You, you want to get him back. And then eventually it gets so bad that you, you go inside and pretend you want to give him a treat. But you're lying because all you want him to do is come back. The way you invite him home changes because you are desperate. You don't get stuck demanding he comes back. Come back, doggy. You saw me. And you got the little toy he loves or the, or the food that actually is his treat that he's not allowed. You don't care anymore. You'll do anything to, to call him back. You see, you might start using a cute voice and pretending you just want to play. You may wave your dog's favorite toy in the air, distracting them from the traffic in an attempt to bring them home safely. Just because you are calling them back to safety doesn't mean you tell them to come back with aggressive commands because your goal is not just to say something. Your goal is to get them to heed the call. What do you need to do for your invitation to draw someone back to Jesus? So don't go to the mall with your little pamphlets. Have you been washed in the blood? And think you're faithfully handing them out and saving lives. Jesus never drew people to himself like that. He never stood on the corners of streets preaching loud. For the glory of God is a coming. I need you to know that the fire of hell. Jesus didn't do that. In fact, he said that we should not be like that. See, Jesus never did that stuff. And we've taught people that you're amazing if you do that, that you're reaching the world, you know? So, so the way we invite is very important. Jesus offended people with the way he invited the world to himself. He offended the highly religious Pharisees with their degrees in theology because the way he approached a sinner didn't line up to their theology on salvation and sin. Jesus never said sin's fine. His approach was the issue. So let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, oh, well, now, Grant, you're saying we shouldn't be reaching people, and oh, I don't like this church anymore because I was always spiritual, and now they're even saying I can't use a pamphlet. You can if you want, but you're not going to get the, the impact. It's like standing at the gate calling your dog, come, boy, instead of going, come on, no more, when you know you've got to do that because because at the end of the day, it's not about how you want to. It's, it's you being so desperate for them to come back to God that you'll do whatever you can short of sin for your invitation to draw them. Just as Jesus has invited us to walk with him in restored relationships, so too are we to invite others to come back to God and the way we do it is important. When Edward Kimball invited D.L. Moody back to God, it was based on Edward's concern about the brokenness he saw in Moody. And when Billy Graham's friend invited him to the evangelistic meeting, it involved the attractive incentive of driving his truck. There was an attractive, natural invitation to a life-changing spiritual salvation. You see, those you may invite are already loved by God. They just need to fall in love with Him too. So all that we can do is set up dates. Yes. 
Have you ever seen those American movies where two of the kids have a mom and dad that come from different marriages, and then something happens, and the kids want to get their parents together? So they go into the house, and they put on soft music, and dim the lights, and then take, like, pop a tire on the car, so all the circumstances work out, and the next thing, they're sitting inside, their candles lit, there's music, and they're, like, awkward with one another, because the kids are trying to set up a date. They just want those two to fall in love. You can't convert and change or make people love Jesus, but you are called to invite them to a date. And then when they sit at the table, you've invited them to, in the presence of Jesus, that is when the Holy Spirit does the work, as described in John chapter 16, verse 8, where it says, and when he comes... He will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a savior and about the righteousness and about judgment. That's not your job. Your job is to love them enough to lead them into the presence of God so that the work of the Holy Spirit can be done. Your natural invitations can lead someone to spiritual salvation. It doesn't, and it doesn't require your ability or your gifts. The way you articulate the Bible or how good your arguments are. You see, like Edward Kimball, your greatest outreach for Christ may be in your attractive natural invitation to someone else. Paul the Apostle speaks in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 28. And he reinforces this approach to inviting people toward Jesus, being very unique and very much true to who the individuals are rather than us Christians calling people to be washed in the blood. You see, Paul visits the great city of Athens, this is the context, and he's taken by Epicurean and Stoic philosophers to debate with him on the famous hill where philosophers gave speeches and magistrates conducted legal matters. Paul then, while he's talking with these men and they're arguing their point and trying to make him look like a fool in the book of Acts 17, 28, makes a famous statement that we often will reference as Christians. He says to them, for in him, in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. Now, this verse used in the context of Jesus by Paul was actually a well-known and familiar saying to the philosophers of the time. Because it was a statement by a man called Epimenides, and it was not and it was um, and not used in association with Jesus. So Paul took a statement that was known and 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 uh, pinned on a man called Epimenides, and he spoke of Jesus using the phrase of this well-known philosopher. In fact, Epimenides was a Greek poet and seer from Knossos on the Isle of Crete. He lived in the sixth century BC and became known as one of the seven wise poets in ancient Greece. Epimenides was also a priest of the cult of Zeus on Crete. And practice divination. Oh, in Jesus' name, don't bring that evil into the word of God, brother. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 that's secular. We're sacred, praise the Lord. Well, Paul, what are you doing? This guy was a priest in the cult of Zeus. And you're taking his words and speaking Jesus to a group of philosophers that are debating about what you call truth. (laughs) You see... 
as Paul is talking with these philosophers who seek to debate, Paul sees idols and inscriptions around him on that famous hill with the philosophers. And, and so what he did is he spoke within the context of their reality. Paul, in turn, doesn't tell the philosophers how evil their idols are. He doesn't tell them that he is right about Jesus being real and they are wrong. He doesn't rebuke them for their unbelief and superstition. That's the Holy Spirit's work. He instead reframes their reality in the context of Christ. Because God is sovereign over all those things in any case. Do you think God isn't where evil is? God trumps evil. Do you think God isn't in your darkness? He's in the middle. When you weep in your brokenness, he can still count every hair on your head. And that of the high priest in Satanism. (laughs) He's way bigger than all of that. See, so... What Paul does in engaging with people far from God is he reframes their reality in Christ. He doesn't rebuke it in Jesus' name because we're holy and you're not. He's able to weave Jesus into their story by using a well-known verse from one of their cultic teachers and turning it into a verse of scripture that we're reading today. As we seek to invite others to come back to God, we need to do so by reframing their reality in the context of Christ. And for us today, one of our greatest opportunities to do that is in the human season of Christmas. I don't know if you've ever heard of a CEO. Oh, no, no, I'm not talking about in business. I'm talking about in church. It stands for Christmas and Easter only. And so if you're a pastor in my world, we'll walk together and we'll be in a conference and you'll see someone at the back and they'll kind of drift around and we'll look at each other and go, oh, that's a CEO. Christmas and Easter only. But when you make the invitation to come back to God through the reality of that human season, you might just win the attention of the CEO. We may never know the impact of our invitation, the impact of what could become someone's salvation, and whether years from now in someone's autobiography our names may be referenced like Edward Kimball's as Moody shared about his initial invitation that had led him to salvation. That Sunday school teacher may have gone home at night praying, God, use me. What kind of impact is my life having for you? God, I want to do more for the kingdom. Lord, I want to know that my life mattered. I wonder if he ever assumed that because of his faithfulness in that single invitation, his name would be written in the words of a biography by one of the greatest evangelists that the world has ever seen. On one occasion... Right after his baptism, John, uh, by John, Jesus invited two individual disciples of John to come to him and to the place where he was. And it tells us in John chapter 1 verse 39 in the New Testament that Jesus said, come and see. His invitation 
His initial invitation to John's disciples was, come and see. It says it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. It's likely that it was outdoor on a mat somewhere because soon after Jesus said the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. Nevertheless, that one day of being in Jesus' presence changed these two men's lives. The invitation to come and see. Not I'm going to convert you so you don't go to hell. Come and see. That's different. And we can invite people to come and see. Come and check it out. This could be the moment in which that individual you invite makes a decision to surrender their lives to Jesus. We have the ability to invite people to come and see. And then it's interesting because soon after Jesus invited those two disciples to come and see, he then issues another invitation to them in Mark chapter 1 verse 17 when he says, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they went with him and never went home again. First, Jesus invites us to come and see and know him and make a decision to surrender our lives to him. Then he invites us to come with him on the discipleship journey, inviting others. And for many of us, our impact in reaching others won't necessarily be with an evangelistic gifting that draws thousands like Mordecai Ham, but our natural invitation to someone else. For some of your greatest evangelistic impact in your life will be the invitations you give, not the gifts you can boast of. And so, this is so practical today. The power of an invitation could be greater than you think. And so we want to empower you in the season where we can reframe an invitation within the reality of Christmas. So you'll see in your pouches a little card. You can take it out with me now and put it in your hand. We are giving you a tool to use in an invitation to someone else. This is a little business card size invitation. And you'll see that on this invitation is actually a little space where you can fill in the personal name of the individual you want to invite. And so in just a minute, you and I are actually going to think about who we want to invite. And we're going to write their name down on this card. And then we're going to pray together for that individual. You're going to be empowered to take this and engage with them and invite them to a service. We want to trust God that we will pack this place. We've had Christmas services with 800 people. We want to reach people for Jesus. We've seen people take hold of the greatest gift mankind can experience on Christmas Day by surrendering their lives to Jesus because someone set up a date and they fell in love. And you're going to be able to take this card and apply the power of invitation with someone. 
And you might be going, okay, flip, that's all cool, but what must I say? Yeah, my church leader must give you that. Like, what do you, how do you do it? And so here are two practical ways you can approach this. First of all, you can use this card to invite by, like Paul did with the philosophers, connecting by finding common ground. So connecting on common ground. So, so think about the way you approach someone and engage on common ground. Don't get all super spiritual with them. You don't know where they are. You want to meet them on common ground. The power of the Spirit does the work. And so maybe it's a friend that you go cycling with. And it's while you're cycling, you say, hey, dude, listen, um, why don't we go grab a cycle and break you? I've got an invitation I want to give you. Or maybe you have to ask them if they want to drive the vegetable truck to the service because you're trying to entice them. So you promise them a breakfast after church or, or whatever it is that you need to do. But connect on common ground. Paul the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians 9.20, to the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Find a common ground that's not spiritual. Hey, you know that conversation we had to your neighbor with gardening and stuff? I've got a few extra pot plants I thought you might want. Oh, and I've just attached a little invitation for Christmas. <laughs> so, so invite someone by connecting on common ground. And then secondly, invite them using this with the call to come and see. Hey, I don't want to put pressure on you. I know you're not Christian. You think it's a bit fruitcake. Our pastor has tattoos. I promise you, you don't believe me. Come and see. Someone far from God that doesn't think they need salvation would respond to that. Hey, I know your family always want to do something at Christmas. I thought this would be really cool. Come and join me at a Christmas service. And so we also invite by calling them to come and see. And Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him.